podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. I'm Frank Benali. This is Klaus Lundekram. I'm Matt Letitia. Dean Hammond's here. And you're listening to In That Number. Kevin the Mosconish Milton. Find me on Twitter at Mosconish. And me, Ray Hunt. You can find me on at RayHunt84. Follow the show on at Number Podcast on Twitter. And on Facebook, Instagram, and Telegram on In That Number Podcast. Email us with your thoughts and feelings on In That Number Podcast at gmail.com. And if you like what you hear, consider showing your support by visiting buymeacoffee.com forward slash in that number. Let's march on in. Welcome back to another episode of In That Number, part of the Sports Social Network. This is episode 221. Today, we have two games to catch up with, starting with our trip to Carrow Road on New Year's Day, followed by the start of our FA Cup campaign at home to Warsaw. Uh, The transfer window is open, so we've got more news to discuss on that front. We also have to award our player and goal of the month for December And Tim will be on hand to preview next week's home game against Sheffield Wednesday. With me to do all this, we have a full team back. We've got the Moscow Mesh, Kevin Milverton and Tim Bazance. Welcome along, guys. Kevin, always a pleasure to have you back. Now, have things slowed down a little bit for you this week or are they still busy as ever? Um, No, they have have slowed right down. Everyone gets the whole week off here, so um, things are a bit, bit quieter. A little bit lazier. You haven't been working, been then? Right. Uh, a little bit, yeah. Hmm. Here and there, you know, odds and swords. Uh, and Tim, how's the new year treating you so far? So far, so good. Uh, I'm a biggest thing right now is that I'm a week away from our uh, grand trip to Europe, and we'll be leaving here uh, just yeah, like I said, a week from today. I'm looking forward to it and excited, and uh, we'll be in Italy uh, for the first part of it, and then hanging out in the UK with you guys and. Uh, spending some time in the on the on the aisle, it'll be fun. God, I hope you bought your canoe because we've had a lot of floods here. It's good to know. I'll uh, <laughs> consider bringing a rain jacket. It's it's all right at the moment actually. It's sun sunshine and the the flooding has subsided. But yeah, it was um it was awful in the week. I have to send you a picture of my road because uh, just you know I live in the in a valley and uh, you couldn't you couldn't get out the road. It was just yeah, it was awful. Not good at all. Come back when it's minus twenty five. Oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> always comparing it aren't we, you always it's like that's oh, what we've had all week oh, minus 20 fucking five yeah. uh, was that in american money is it about 12 or something did we say to him yeah mm. in, ter- yes. in terms of uh ba- what, what, what's the uh, fahrenheit yeah fahrenheit to celsius so i think it was about 12 wasn't it it's fucking cold anyway yeah that is cold wow good job i bought you that new coat then kev yeah it's, it's done a good job i didn't expect much from it because it's not particularly thick but and that's done all right good stuff uh, Tim, I do have to mention as well, you know, Chicago Bulls, they came to uh, came to New York and got beat. And the uh, Chicago Blackhawks came to New York and uh, they got beat too. So uh, unlucky. Yeah, uh, they're both trash this year. So <laughs> stinks. Even with the number one pick and the, the next Conor McDavid. Well, yeah, I mean, Bedard is fantastic. And then some tool shed just decides to go and take a, you know, take a massive hit and break his jaw. So he's on injuries yeah. there for the next uh, long while. 
Uh, our pretty boy is no longer a pretty boy. He looks like he's going to be a true hockey player now yep. with a with a with a caged up you know a caged up mask and uh, you know so a so basically a sewn up and uh, j- jaws his entire time yeah. his entire time here. Welcome the rest of the season. Welcome to the national, as they say. But yeah, <laughs> that's it. So yeah, on to Saints. Uh, Norwich. It was a very very similar game to the Plymouth one, wasn't it? Because we you know we saw plenty of the ball. There was lots to like about it. There was lots to dislike as well. Um, had to be patient again. Thought the game was won, but then we were pegged back. Norwich were lucky to finish the game with 11 men um, with that tackle on, on the dozy, which I'm sure we'll get into in a bit. You're never 100% happy when you when you dominate games and fail to win, but I don't know, can we be too unhappy with a point at Carrow Road at the end of the day, Cal? Um, I think if you'd have asked us before the match, uh, maybe uh, we wouldn't have been too disappointed with the point and maintaining that unbeaten run. But yeah, on the um, on the off the back of that game, I think it's yeah, it's more two points lost than uh, one point one. Mm, that's interesting. No, oh, we'll get into that in a bit. But yeah, okay. Um, and and Tim Warsaw, yeah, comfortable four nil. Uh, Ryan Fraser shines with a double. Took a while to extend the lead from going one nil, didn't we? But we got there in the end and into that hat for the fourth round. Um, and plenty of youngsters and, and debuts to discuss. Absolutely, and. It seems to be a theme that it takes a little while for us to get going. We're kind of like a steam engine. You might be able to get a goal here here and there earlier in the game, but uh, ultimately we pile them on in the second half after we've worn them down, uh, after we've held possession for so long that they can't hold their lines and finally, they finally, finally start to crack and break. Mm, yeah, maybe we're just lulling teams into a false sense of security. Kind of like what you're doing in the Discord League, Tim. I think that's what you've done. You've started off slow and now you're picking up some steam. So, yeah, maybe that's what what it is you've done because a good week for you, which, again, we'll get to in a bit. Show your support for the show. Uh, you can buy us a coffee by visiting buymeacoffee.com forward slash in that number. Um, and our Discord, you can get you can join us there if you'd like to get in touch. Um, and you're interested in chatting amongst, well, I say friend, friendly Saints fans. Yeah, we are friendly. Um, you can join in with our predictions and just game chats, and just any chat that you really fancy. Uh, just go. Uh, just contact us through our various means of communication. That's email, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and and we'll get you in. Right, guys, we got some uh, some news to go through. So, uh, can we go into the news now? Let's do it. Why not? This is ITM in that number news. I don't know if you saw in the notes, but I've got this um this Taylor Harwood Bellis story that I wanted to, to to talk about quickly before we get into the yeah, real stuff. I wasn't sure what that was. No, uh, well I'll, I'll I'll tell you now, shall I? So um I I know someone who knows someone that went out to dinner. I won't say where, and sitting down having dinner with his wife, and he sees Taylor Harwood Bellis walk in, and he's like, oh my god. That's Taylor Howard Bellis, says to his wife and all that. Oh, he plays for Saints. He's on loan from Man City and all that. He's a youngster and all that. There, there he is. And they sort of like, and he sat down next to him. And they sort of like had a nod to each other, but he didn't want to go in and disturb him or anything. So he was just like, like a little, little bit of recognition, you know, because Howard Bellis knew that he knew who he was. So they just carried on and uh, he did bother him, didn't ask for a photo or anything like that. Uh, at the end of the night, when he's going up to pay for his meal, the, uh, the the waiter says no, it's already been taken care of. The bloke next to you on the table next to you has paid for it all. Oh wow! Yeah, how cool is that? What a guy! That's brilliant, isn't it? Just just like that, took care of the whole bill. 
because he just sort of like left them alone, left them to it. And uh, what a great story. Yeah, no, that's, that's great. So maybe it's a lesson next time you see one of them walk in. That's a classy touch. Yeah. Here's, here's, <laughs> well, yeah, it's first off, that it's a son of class and it's amazing. And we need to sign him because he's he's absolutely amazing. But uh, would you have rather had your meal paid for or would you rather have had a picture with Taylor Howard? Dulles? There's plenty of opportunities to get pictures with him. But there's never an opportunity you're going to get again to have your meal paid for by him. Uh, so, yeah, I'd rather have the meal. And then you've got a nice story to tell. I mean, everyone's had a picture of a footballer, haven't they? I mean, I, I, I'd, rather well, take, I'd rather take the money. Not not the money, you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're you're also you live there. Um, whereas, uh, you know, for me, who's a silly American, who's going to come over and be a tourist as well. You know, I think the value of getting a picture with the guy might be more than the value of a meal. Now, if it's like a $200 meal, you know, like what's, you know, let's, let's talk about that. But if it's a, you know, you know, 10, $15, you know, 10 to $15, then I would, I think I might actually take the picture. Yeah. I should mention this is McDonald's. <laughs> Oh, no, it well was. Then, <laughs> no, that was a joke. That, that was a joke. It wasn't. Oh. <laughs> I, I know what the restaurant. Is, I'm not going to say, but yeah. Um, yeah. Trying to try, try think how that would work because you have to pay up front for McDonald's, don't you? I don't know, Kev. I mean, I, I haven't been to McDonald's since I was like ten, so I don't know. I just not. Yeah, I guess it's so. not a restaurant, is it? No. Like, yeah, with wait, wait, waiter yeah, service exactly. and that sort of thing. Yeah. Okay. Mm. But anyway, I thought it was a lovely story. Anyway. Uh, and I thought I'd have to share it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah, on to the serious business then. Uh, FA Cup fourth round. We're, uh, we're in the draw, first and foremost. Um, and that draw will take place on Monday, the 8th of January. And it's live on ITV in the build-up to the live third round tie between, between Wigan and Man United. Uh, so approximately that'll be 7.50 in the evening. So that's about, what, 10 to 11 for you, Kevin. Um, and mm. about 10 to 3 for you, Tim. Um, we are ball number 10. And those uh, ties will be played across the weekend of the 27th of January. So when you're here, Tim. Um, So what do we think then? Newport or Eastleigh? That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Or even away at Eastleigh. That'd be awesome. Oh, that would be good as well. No, 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 no. It needs to be at home because otherwise I'm not going to the game. (laughs) You won't get a ticket. (laughs) I won't be able to get a ticket. um, Yeah, well, Eastleigh, that'd be fantastic though. Because, I mean, I don't know if you saw it, but they uh, they drew 1-1 with Newport um, with 10 men. So uh, that was excellent. Mm. That was a way as well. So good on them. Good. We're probably mm. going to go and get Man United now, aren't we? At Old Trafford, just to piss Tim off. Oh, Christ. Well, yeah, that would not be ideal. No, it's not. Anything at home. If you're listening out there, and you've, you've heard this, uh, you're going to hear a loud cheer from me if we've got a home draw, and you're going to hear a piss and moan if we if you uh, if we get an away draw. Yeah, there's a fixture change for two games in February. Uh, our trip to Bristol City's Ashton Gate, which takes place on Tuesday, the 13th of Feb, will now kick off at eight o'clock and not 7.45. Yeah, not much of a change. Um, Just a 15 minute uh, delay on that. No, oh, fucking hell. They never think about the fans <laughs> of these, do they? <laughs> I'll still be having my dinner at that time. Fucking hell. How <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> am I supposed to get to bed before midnight? <laughs> um, but the trip uh, to the Hawthorns against West Brom will now take place on the Friday night of the 16th of Feb and not originally the Saturday the 17th. So a new day for our trip to West Brom. But uh, both games are selected uh, for Sky. Uh, Tim, something I want to talk to you about, because we mentioned this last week, uh, was the Flynn Downs illness uh, the mystery illness, but he's now had his say on it. I know it's, this is pretty old news now, but I just wanted to get a chance to actually talk about it. Uh, and it was a suspected E. coli infection. Um, so here's what he said on this. 
Uh, it feels like I've been running on empty for the whole three weeks. It was nice to get out there on Monday, but I have I've had to tweak a few things. I've had to change my diet because my gut is all over the place. I felt better during the game. So hopefully that is the end of it for me. I caught something completely different. I, I caught E. coli or something like that, and it completely wiped me out. I don't think the food poisoning before has helped me out. It was hard because I was trying to fuel up for games and it was making me worse. Once you acquire and you have food poisoning, the potential for your your gut biomes and different issues within uh, your your entire GI tract, uh, you're more susceptible to further issues down the road. Yeah. So just like if you had a concussion and you for the first time and it was really bad, the susceptibility for you to have a concussion later down the road. Um, and that's because you could have lingering issues where. Where, you know, you might have gotten rid of uh, a lot, 90, 95 percent of it, or the intestinal lining has uh, dwindled because of the issue itself. So the prevalence of further issues can be had based on what your, you know, based on what your diet is. So to me, you know, if you're thinking about like you have an issue where you had uh, food poisoning, if it's really bad bout with it, which it sounds like it was, where if it was like a full week at the beginning, you know, you could develop further issues with IV. Yes, or gastroenteritis. He really needs to not fuck around with his diet, and he needs to really just get, you know, well cooked items. So if there is that long lingering approach where he has, and if he's a if he's a whack job with what he feels like he needs to be eating, then you need to have a dietitian there. You need to have somebody within the club say, this is what you are actually eating. If you don't eat this, you know, like that's a real big problem. Please check what you're eating. Please to make sure you're not eating something crazy. And then also recognize what is going to affect your, your, uh, your GI system overall, uh, because you may have lingering, lingering issues. And I, I wish you have the, uh, the best of health as, you have been a great player for us, and regardless of if you continue with playing with us for your personal health, get yourself a doctor who can really prescribe you what's required uh, within your diet and your uh, your personal health. Yes. I don't know if it's um, related to that incident, uh, just just as he signed for us yeah. that um, he undercooked some chicken liver. Um, yeah, the chicken can be quite nasty. You got some awful, awful shit in there if you don't cook it properly. Literally. Um, <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. So I, he just needs to. Somebody needs to get him some cook, either some cooking lessons or just get someone in who can actually cook. Yeah. Well, at least he's over the worst of it. He says that's it for him now. And he had a whole week off this mm. week as well, so that that's nice. Um, and a dozy, Kev, the, the the bad tackle from from Jack Stacy. It's left, that was awful. left yeah. him on the sidelines for the rest of the month. For a tackle like that, I mean, it, it, it's lucky he's not out for longer. I mean, because we, we saw him in a boot just after the game on Monday. And uh, I thought, mm. wow, you know, this this could be mid, like mid-March, like beginning of April. So, but just a couple of weeks, it's, it's really good, actually, isn't it? I mean, when you say boot, you don't mean just some Ugg boots. You mean like one of those big plastic ones, right? Well, he could have been wearing one of those ones underneath it. But yeah, I did mean the plastic precautionary mm. boot, yeah. The the boot itself is is even, even if... You know, even if there were a significant amount of issues or less issues just at hand, the idea of the boot is he likely had a significant amount of swelling afterwards. And 
so the boot is there to reduce the pressure at hand and allow for expansion of what is you know your ankle itself then once you're able to after the swelling goes down a little bit analyze the actual injury whether it's going to be you know ankle ligaments tendons uh you know just in tight you know surface wounds and so and flesh wounds uh so the entire fascia or just, hmm. just a flesh just a flesh wound, wound. <laughs> because well that it, it does that does take into play because if you you know he has a massive or open exposed cut you can only do so much when it comes to you know you have to get to bandage and gauze and you have to let that heal in addition to the remaining part of the so you have to let the swelling go down before you really can even start any type of uh you know training program back up and it sounds like there is no significant damage if there's a couple weeks. So you've got give or take a week for the swelling. Uh, then the actual uh, ligaments uh, themselves were probably not damaged. But just to be able to get yourself back into it, uh, if you're looking at a, you know, you're basically looking for a week for swelling, a week for re- complete rest and then uh strengthening routine for two to uh, for one to two weeks make sure his cardio is back up and then he's good to go yeah i mean russell martin said straight afterwards that it bloomed up which is always going to happen with a tackle uh but i don't think he got the scan until friday so really when you think about it from the monday night that it actually happened or monday afternoon rather uh to the friday scan wasn't actually that bad so yeah i'm 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 I say you can never bleed with an injury, but yeah, given given the the way that it looked, I'm quite happy with that. That's, yeah. how that's turned out. So uh, yeah, hopefully to have them back pretty soon. They do. They'll do an MRI. They'll do a CT. They'll do an X-ray just to make sure for everything with him. Yeah. Um. Player and goal of the month. Then this this was a tough one to whittle down to four because you know on both categories because lots of great individual performers. I mean, we could have had a poll to get into the final four really, but we decided on Rebo uh, Taylor Harwood Bellis. Kyle Walker-Peters and Sam Adozi, all of which were the highest from our man of the matches. Men of the matches? Man of the match? Whatever. Um, <laughs> this is a debate that will roll on as long as this podcast exists, I think. I um, so, yeah. Uh, guys, who did you vote for? Um, a rebo. You voted for a rebo? Wow. Okay. And, and Tim? Overall quality brought for the entire month is the man that we just mentioned, Taylor harwood Bell. Well, we mentioned them all, to be fair. But, yeah, I mean, I... I Kyle Walker-Peters was my vote, uh, but Kev, uh, Joe Rebo took 7%, same with his shirt number, uh, which was mm-hmm. quite harsh. Sam Adozi took 29%, uh, and there was a tie. Taylor, Taylor Harwood-Bellis with 32 as well as Kyle Walker-Peters, but uh, we gave it to Taylor Harwood-Bellis simply because it was combined with the polls on Instagram also. So uh, Taylor Harwood-Bellis takes player of the month. Uh, and in terms of goals, well, he had 16 to choose from. But we decided on Adam Armstrong's hit on the edge of the box against Cardiff, which opened up the month. Uh, both of Ryan Fraser's goals against Swansea uh, and that rocket from uh, Alcaraz against Plymouth. Um, it was <laughs> not as close, this one. So it was quite obviously uh, Charlie Alcaraz against Plymouth took 61% of the votes. And yeah, it was a it was a, yeah, just a lovely, lovely goal. So, uh, yeah, Alcaraz wins it uh, for December. So there we have it. Super. Yes. Um, uh, transfer news, Kev. We, we, I mean, you haven't been here when we were discussing the transfer window, uh, but it's your first one that we can actually discuss this now that it's open. Uh, and to kick things mm. off, um, I want to talk about Mason Holgate because um, he started against Walsall, uh, started right back against Walsall. And, and it was reported that Everton were unhappy with his playing time. And he last played in November against uh, West Brom. But Sean Dyche has openly stated that he hasn't had talks with Saints about a return. 
So, Kev, what do you do you think? Do you think we'll, we'll you know, his stay out is loan until May, or do you think he's going to head back to Merseyside? I don't know how much it's in our hands. I mean, we're not going to miss him uh, if he does get called back. Um, I don't know how much of our uh, his ridiculously high wages we're paying, but um, yeah, it's not a good value deal uh, on our part. Um, it's a, you know, it's a risky take on these kind of loan deals. Other loan deals have worked out. I don't think this one has. Well, I mean, we, we've had problems given Jack Stevens some time at centre back, and we've kind of like yeah. shoehorned him in at right back, and it looks like that we're doing the same here with Holgate. But if we do have any more injury concerns at centre back, or I mean, Bednarik's been out injured, doesn't? Well, not injured, he's been ill as well. Um, then you know we we don't want to be light though, do we? So isn't it isn't it good just not give him the playing time all the time, but just to keep him around and and use him in those games, especially if we if we are intending to go on a cup run? Yeah, I suppose so. Um, when you when you put it like that, but I mean we've got loan deals that we can call, call back Lianco, can't we? <laughs> Shoehorn him into right back as well. Gillette <laughs> yeah. Sar as well. He's still good. Good God, yeah. yeah, he's still us. But yeah, yeah, I I I, I can see us um keeping hold of him to be honest I think I think there was discussions despite what Sean Dyche has said because um, as soon as this news has come out he's straight back in the side now whether that was his intentions anyway because it was an FA Cup game against Warsaw but you know I, I just think that they can't be happy with his playtime can they so what's the point of the line for them it's not working out for them it's not working out for him it's not really working out for us but yeah I could see him going back but I think he'll stay we've mm. we've had some discussions as well with Tim uh, Tim and me about our well Tim broke it last week, actually. Manuel Benson of Burnley. Uh, we talked about David Brooks of Bournemouth. Mm. Uh, but we've had some new ones this week. Uh, Fabio Carvalho from Liverpool. So, say, we mentioned both, wow. both ben- Benson and Brooks, didn't we? But Carvalho news came out after we recorded. So, I mean, if we can get this business done, then surely this has to be the priority, right? Because I think he'd be a difference maker for us. Yeah, absolutely. It's, well, it's funny you mentioned Manuel Benson, because um, I've heard a different rumour that we're interested in Welsh international winger Ryan Hedges, and um, we can't sign them both. The advertising regulators come down almost <laughs> like a ton of bricks. <laughs> is that is that true? Is that is it right? Can you imagine it? Yeah, but, Benson and Hedges. Yeah, but is is that true that the, the Hedges? <laughs> it's just a rumor. Oh God, I would love it. That would be brilliant. We'd have Benson <laughs> and Hedges on the wings. So. <laughs> Oh, oh yeah okay um but yeah tim uh this uh cavalio deal uh leicester are also interested so you know a six-month loan deal and a trophy at the end of it could prove the difference for him surely absolutely and i'm fortunate enough to have watched enough carvalho when he was at fulham and really he didn't play a whole lot at liverpool which is why he went over to leipzig but leipzig is a bunch of good players and they recall and uh, they didn't want him and he, they're even getting rid of timo Werner uh for six months as well which is a curious uh curious shout but i think that's more for tottenham needing cover in the attacking play uh, to me, Carvalho is extremely similar to Art Alcaraz when it comes to style of play. And I don't see him much more in that right wing position, which has been the rumor and or pro- uh, priority for when it comes to what we know, what we want for, uh, you know, w- what we truly want. And that Cam in sitting in that midfield three, if he feels, uh, and by he, I mean, if Russell Martin feels that Carvalho could be in that midfield three in that uh, the attacking position, maybe even a better fit than what Alcaraz was, or that if we go back to that false nine setup, uh, I think he'd be a fantastic matchup. And then we have a, we're at a gluttony of 
uh, attacking options, this, and then potentially, you know, you never know with Suleimana or Dozy coming uh, with being injured. It makes a lot of sense. It's depth, isn't it? Uh, it'd be so, strong off the bench. It'd be strong everywhere. Yeah, it, it, it's it would be absolutely fantastic. And to me, if you can do it, pull the trigger and get it done. That would qualify for that midfield position that I was think I was asking for. Alongside, I think if Holgate does leave, you need to have some other defensive cover, uh, whether that be Ben Johnson from West Ham, which was rumored, and then maybe you slide Bree into that right center back at like the fourth one, and you also have Charles who can, Charles who can kind of slide back there. So you've got cover in those roles, and then maybe even Magoma can step up into that left back if Manning uh, decides to you know fall apart and and you know look like trash, mm, which shouldn't be too difficult. Um. <laughs> There, there, there's there's more midfielders that uh, have been mentioned in the week, Tim. Like uh, you, you wanted that central midfield role. There's uh, Lamari Bogard from Aston Villa. He's um he's been rec- recalled from his loan spell at Bristol Rovers, um so he's uh, highly thought of. Uh, the Danny Ings rumours still aren't going away. I know he's not a midfielder, but yeah, they're, they're still hovering around. Uh, and Kev, there's a, a Japanese forward, Mayo Soya from uh, Kashiwa Reiso in the J League. So he's 21 years old and he's said to be a natural goal scorer. Uh, his team just avoided relegation last year thanks to his goals. Um, he outperforms his XG and has a goal uh, conversion percentage of 21.5. So by contrast, Armstrong's is 19.4 and uh, Sammy Smodic's is 19.5. So if you're thinking of a bargain, this could be a good bet here. Because, I mean, there's, we've seen some bargains come out of that J-League recently. I mean, you think of uh, Matoma. The next ten. Tabernari Lee. <laughs> I was thinking a little bit more recent than that, but yeah, Matoma comes from <laughs> there and look what he's done. So it's, I think a lot of scouts are looking there now to, to bring these sort of, uh, these players, these un, under the radar sort of players in and, and turn them into superstars for next to nothing. So, uh, uh, yeah, there's that. There's that. Um, there's also the uh, Bojan Majowski from um, Aberdeen, which we mentioned last week as well. And Kev, you'll remember we were linked with this guy at the start of the season, Loris Shanklin of Hearts. Uh, mm. that, 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 again, that's not going anywhere. But all these latest ones that I've mentioned, you know, Hasoya, Shanklin, Majowski, they could all be bargain bins. But is this the strategy that you can get on board with? Because it's kind of like low risk rather than what we've done with like the likes of Guido Carrillo and Paul Onuachu, no, no panic buying and overspending. Do we go cheaper in hopes of unearthing a, a hidden gem or would you rather they just, you know, reach that little bit higher, more high risk, but you know, something the fans can get excited for. Yeah. I think if, you know, if you put together the, the fees for Amara and Onuachu, you, you get a, 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 a striker who's more of a proven talent. Good Cody Gakpo. Yeah, we could have put the money together to get a Gakpo instead of getting you know, three shit strikers. You get one decent one. Um, and yeah, we, we've kind of you look at all of our options. Um, uh, you know, even Armstrong and Adams. If you put yeah, put them next to Mara and Rostia. Yeah, yeah, you put you put them all together. You know, they're they're. They're kind of they're worth less than ten million individually, I think. But if you know you yeah. put put a few of them together, uh, you know, get just fork out the money and get a decent striker. I don't think we've got space in our squad for uh, another you know project moulding a, a striker from the J League. Um, I don't think we we've got a space in the squad to, for them to have enough minutes. You That's know, we, point, we need yeah. someone who's in banging them in left, right, and centre. And we need we need a short term solution, really, don't we? Like a loan deal. 
because when these players do come back, there's not going to be any room for them. Yeah, I, it's all up in the air, isn't it? And if we get promoted, then it's a, yeah, exactly. another factor to, to to bring in. Buy smart rather than, you know, high risk or anything. <laughs> but yeah. I do want to go back and talk about the Japanese players or the uh, Asian players. Yeah. With Celtic is a great example. And Ange coming in, Postagoglu, mm-hmm. uh, absolutely fantastic manager because they, Celtic, found that they felt that they can get well, cheap talent, but quality talent from Japan and South Korea. So in the last uh, couple of years, probably three years or so with Ange first coming over, they signed seven players from who were Japanese or South Korean descent, three of which um, uh, have been absolutely fantastic for them, two of which were considered prodigies and two of which were really much more of a um, – kind of a development or kind of a, you know, just maybe potentially could come in, come into play there. But the three players, you've got uh, Kyogo, um, you've got Daisen Maeda, and then Rio Hatate, who have been stalwarts for them uh, in terms of their play and been involved. So if you're able to provide quality talent and see and dig it out, it can be done there. And he, they hit basically on 50% and they still got some good players who could be coming up uh, as well. that are of that background. I think that I believe that Celtic is at the same level that Southampton can be or should be. I think, I think in terms of overall quality of talent that Southampton should be and should consider themselves around or, you know, matching up with Celtic. Uh, I mean, that goes back to Stuart Armstrong, you know, uh, so Fraser Foster played there as well. So this is where we really should be considering in terms of development and opportunities for potentially, you know, that 21 year old, the 22 year old, the 23 year olds, or fuck it. Let's just go and raid Celtic for, uh, you know, Rio Hatate, who's 26. He's going to be good. He could slot in right away. Maeda is 26. He could go in right away. Kyogo's at 28. So, I mean, he's probably peaked and, uh, you know, they're going to take it's going to take them in the, the 10 to 15 million pound range to be able to snag one of them. But I would be more than happy to grab, um, you know, any of those players, especially Hitate. I think at that center mid who could sl- uh, who could slot in uh, 57 appearances, 12 goals uh, since 2022. So in the last two seasons, um, I think that would be like um, that would be an amazing signing him and Flynn Downs uh, in the offseason. I think we could, you know, be getting definitely close to think feeling comfortable about well after we get promoted hmm. uh staying staying in the premier league <laughs> yeah I, I don't think there's going to be any business done right away I mean, it's been quite slow so far isn't it um any business any deals that we do is probably going to be towards the end of the month kev have you got any more apart from benson and hedges <laughs> no no i mean would you would you be happy if um we didn't do any deals in the transfer window i guess what would you think of that i guess that really does depend on the injuries that we've got coming back don't we because i mean i don't think i don't think we need an awful lot i think everything's going well as it is but really i mean i do think we need another center forward so what just one of them would be nice even if it's a loan deal i think that would be fine or or go for a winger that'd be fine just someone that can, you know, plug the gaps of a Ross Stewart, of a Camaldine Sulemana, just and just give us give us that little bit more quality in the final third. I think that is what's missing from us. We can get, get you know, a little bit more potent in front of goal. Then I think, you know, 
anything's possible. I feel, I mean, I feel Che is gone. If, especially if we don't get promoted, Che's gone after the season. And, uh, you know, if we do get promoted, I still think it's like a 50, 50 shot. And then some people are going to say, we don't need Che. Let's get somebody else in. So that's center forward. And I, I don't think we can rely on Ross Stewart ever. And it's going to be a blast of a signing because he's just going to be continually injured. So that center forward with an, you know, maybe an option to buy, Danny Ings would, I would love that. Absolutely 100% love that if you, you know, to be able to bring him back in, but midfield. And then we can't lose anybody else on defense. I think, you know, there, I feel like their injuries are potentially there. So I would be unhappy if we didn't bring somebody in at a minimum of one, more likely I'd prefer two. Hmm. Yeah. Well, we'll see. And there's a long way to go, long way to go. But there have been two deals uh, already that have gone under the radar. Uh, 17-year-old Barnaby Williams has signed his first pro deal uh, just six months after signing a scholarship. Uh, and Jaden Moore also signs his first deal. And they've both signed on until 2026. Yeah, so that is it for uh, transfer news. One bit of uh, thing to talk about in, in the loans. Uh, Thierry Small's loan at St Mirren has come to an end. He's been recalled by Saints. Norwich from New Year's Day, uh, Carrow Road. Uh, a 1-1 draw uh, to start off 2024. Russell Martin return to Norfolk, obviously. Uh, Adam Armstrong scored his 13th of the season and first since his brace against Cardiff on the 2nd of December. Uh, Josh Sargent equalised just eight minutes later. A second goal against us this season. And he opened up the scoring in that 4-4 draw, didn't he? Uh, as I said from the off, uh, lots to like, lots to dislike. Personally, Kevin, I mean, you said that more like two points dropped, but I... I I was enjoying the game. I thought the first half was dominant. I, the pressure was intense. Um, and it was the end of like four games in 10 days, really, wasn't it? So we could and should have scored more, but it's another game undefeated. It stands at 18 now and a tough away day. And, and Ipswich didn't pull away from us. So I just think you take all those into account and, you know, I'll take the point and move on. I, I was I, I quite enjoyed the game, Kev, to be honest. Yeah, I think we needed a bit more from that that first half because we, we were dominant I think once they brought the, their subs on they're a bit more dangerous it was yeah it was kind of, kind of end, end-to-end stuff wasn't it hmm. but I, I, I like those games where we're this is what I like about playing in the championship especially the, the way that we're playing at the moment because we are favourites against you know 90% of the league and when we are favourite we, we press up high we we get a lot of the ball and I just feel like it's a matter of time I, I don't feel like we're not going to score. I just feel like it is going to happen. It's just a matter of when and just being patient. And it, this was it again. Obviously, the problems that we've got are not extending those leads. Uh, but, yeah, and that's what's cost us here, really, because we just couldn't uh, couldn't extend it. Probably just a case of, oh, maybe the game's won. Um, job's done. Let's just sit back and, and, and be hard to score against. And that only lasted eight minutes. I mean, do you, do you think that was part of um, David Wagner's strategy was to sort of you know, part the bus and then try and shithouse your way to a one nil win, maybe. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I think I think Tim mentioned it in the preview as well. I think that Wagner just said, we we, we know that they have difficulty scoring a lot, you know, multiple goals in a game. So just be apart from against us. <laughs> yeah, um, just sit back and uh, frustrate them, and then try and catch them on the counter. And that's that. I think that was their game plan. But obviously, that's exactly what they did. Yeah, that's exactly exactly what happened. And. Uh, yeah, I, I think there is a blueprint to beat us, and I think that's it. And I also think that Warsaw tried to play like that as well, and then they just got caught within six minutes. But again, we'll get to that in a second. But yeah, four changes from that 2-1 win over Plymouth. And 
went uh, back to the exact 11 that wiped out Swansea on Boxing Day, Kev. So that, that was that was nice. And mm-hmm. he played Kyle Walker-Peters further forward and putting Jack Stevens at right back. Um, it's just a way, like I said, to shoehorn Stevens in that side. And you, you can't take out Taylor Harwood-Bellis or Bednarik at the moment. Stevens is captain. He's just come back from mm-hmm. injury. So he, he deserves minutes. But I, I just think it's a bit of a problem. And I think... It's affected, it affects Jack Stevens' performance as well, I think, playing him out there. But it doesn't seem to be holding Kai Walker-Peters back, who seems to fit in everywhere, I think. Yeah, I'm playing, playing him in a much more forward role. Um, I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of uncomfortable with it, but um, you seem, seem to think it, it, it works. Well, I like it. I like him there. I just think he sits, he, he just looks good wherever he goes. What about you, Tim? Do you, do you like Do you like his uh, his new role there? It's an option. Actually, no, uh, I do not. Uh, I know, I recognize that the value that he has and has an option, but the most success that he's had, it comes from actually being farther deep and then being able to bring the ball forward. His acceleration isn't right there, uh, meaning that he can't just go from zero to 100 quickly. And the good example of that is a dozy where he's just long legged and can really with a one, two and be able to break somebody. Kyle Walker Peters, the best and has been most successful by dribbling around with that little extra time that the the uh, the players have given him. So to me. I think it's not fulfilling what he can be. And if he wants to be in, uh, you know, he wants to be able to bomb and go up and down the field. I think by him positioning himself farther up the field, he's limiting what is his best strength. So to me, I would rather have somebody else in that role uh, on the side. Now, what our midfield three is not really uh, either any of those people, but uh, Alcaraz on the right would be a good shout if he's in that midfield three and dropping over to the right. But I mean, do you not, um, or even do you not agree though that he's probably our best dribbler without the except with the exception of Suleiman who's out of the team right now. So getting the getting him on the ball a lot more is vital. I, I I think when you play him up that little bit higher, he does get on the ball a lot more and he can cause problems. Look what he did against Bristol. He can cut back inside of his left foot as well and he can find the net from there. He can put crosses in when he's up higher, which is what happened for the goal. Uh, so, yeah, I, I like it. The only thing I don't like about it, though, is the fact that we're leaving that right back to a centre-back. Obviously, yeah. that will change if, if uh, James Bree's back in the side. Actually, in that game, he had less possession uh, compared to when he does play in the right back position. Maybe, so he's actually getting the ball. Maybe that was the, he's the, the, the ball Maybe that was the plan to get him the ball more. But and when you when you throw Stevens in at right back, it's going to change a little bit up of how it's going to get set. So Nat, I feel in that change of position, yes, he actually is going to get the ball less. Um, but he's going to be more influential because he's going to be up the pitch even more. Whereas a lot of the times he's He's in the own half getting uh, getting the possession. Uh, so to me, I think it's limiting the strengths of Kyle Walker-Peters uh, at the detriment of, you know, bringing in Stevens at right back, which I don't think is the right thing. No, definitely not the right and, thing there. And another player who's kind of been shoehorned into the squad is, is Joe Rebo. I mean, he's been playing well and you want to fit him in, but um, he's kind of all over the place, isn't he? Well, where is his best position? Where would you play him? Because at the moment, he's just sitting in that centre midfield. He's not roaming much in that uh, cam role, is he? No, I mean, I like him further forward. I mean, him and Fraser give a, sort of, um, a strength on the ball that um, we don't have otherwise. You know, Dozy and Walker-Peters aren't the strongest players in the ball. Yeah, no, I do. I mean, it's a shame that he's going to be we're going to miss him now for a while. 
uh, depending on mm. how far Nigeria go. But yeah, Rebo is really good at holding possession. His ball progression is not there. And that's because he just doesn't have that immediate acceleration. Uh, he's much more of the stronger throw the ball in the middle, you know, dink around, find and maneuver within the, you know, within a couple steps either direction and find the right player. Uh, so to me, in that eight role is fine, but he doesn't do well in transition and to get into the place that he needs to be able to track back. Whereas Will Smallbone gets up and down much better than him. Flynn Downs gets up and down much better than him. Yeah. Jay Charles playing in that six, uh, he can get up, but his by natural, uh, you know, by natural ability he can. Uh, but where he's positioned at, he's not going to be. Uh, mm. So it's a little bit different play compared to say Smallbone and what they're capable of. Well, you say that, but I mean it's. Um... Carl Walker-Peters and Aribo's progressive play that led to the goal. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. That was my point uh, about pushing Carl Walker-Peters a little bit further forward. He can he, he can get involved a little bit more. Obviously, the goal came through through his work, which which Armstrong was able to tuck it in. But yeah, I don't know, Kev. I, I, I like Aribo off the bench, if I'm being completely honest, because uh, in certain situations, he's brilliant. Like if you're winning the game one or two near, you want to shore things up. I, I want to bring him on and keep hold of the ball uh, and have that little bit more strength than, than say a Flynn Downs, definitely a Shea Charles and a, and a Will Smallbone has. Uh, but like you say, he's playing so well at the moment. You need to put him in the team wherever you can. And if that means shoehorning him in, then I'm okay with that. Cause it seems to be working. That we didn't win. That we didn't. <laughs> uh, I want to talk about Jack Stacey, the studs up tackle on Sam Adozi. Fuck me. Yeah. yeah uh, lucky to get away with one there. I mean, mm. could have been a red. I don't know. I mean, Tim, you probably saw this, but I don't know about you, Kev, but did you watch the Palace and Everton FA Cup game from the Thursday night? Calvert-Lewin never touched him, uh, but goes, mm. <laughs> goes with studs and the red it, ref gives a red card. Um, could have been a leg breaker, but this one made contact. It's nasty. It's late. It studs up. It's connected with the ankle. Why is that not a red card? And yet Calvert-Lewin's is. VAR. If VAR had looked at the, the, the Norwich ones, would they have not given that a red card? I think it would have been given, yeah, because I mean, they always look so much worse in slow motion. Um, there was contact with studs. That's rules of the game. Yeah, there was contact. And, he's, you know, he's, he's actually injured him. Yeah. What do you think of this? Because I've never seen such a red card split. I mean, I've heard, I mean, all the stories that I read were saying that this is the most ridiculous. VAR's done now. It's destroyed the game. It's the worst decision I've ever seen. When I look at it myself, I have to watch it three or four times because I'm like, did he actually contact him there? But then you look at the, you look at what people are saying. They're saying, well, you're going with studs up a little bit further to the right. And that's, yeah, that's, that's a leg breaker. But it wasn't, was it? Can't you say that in any tackle? Like, if that's a little bit further to the right, then you're going to snap someone's leg. Well, if it's a bit further to the right, send him off. Like, exactly. Yes, that's what my point is. Why send him off for that if he didn't make any contact with him? Yes, it's date. He should have gone in with his studs up, but he never made any contact. You're giving him a red card for what he might have done. In an umbrella sense, the idea is referees are not consistent. And between VAR in the Premier League championship does not have VAR. Understandably, that calls are going to be different based on the actual person and what they what they feel is appropriate and also what they're able to see. Uh, with the benefit of VAR, uh, it would allow them to make that extra decision choice, which is why people, if they don't make that extra decision, it's going to be even more scrutinized because you have a second person being able to check. Whereas in the in our game, you didn't have that ability where, the say, for example, 
the the referee was completely blocked in that little half second where he saw that the player went down but did not hit that and get the contact. The the side judge is on the other side of the half field on uh, just happened to be so there wasn't his support either. Uh, so in doing that, there is it makes it hard to judge. Uh, so now let's go to the situation. Uh, to me, you are correct that uh, there is the intention, but in so DCL's ability, he was going down for a tackle that would have, if you know, made contact and didn't hit it with studs up or whatever, uh, you know, could have been a yellow. And if it was completely reckless and he took him out, it would have been a red. By doing that, yes, like it should not have been done or it should not have been a red card at all. I think that's a, it was a poor choice, but it was the referee's decision based on what he feel was necessary and he thought was reckless. Now, without VAR in the championship, we would have probably seen that by that ankle breaker would have been done and he would have then upgraded it to a red. And by the nature of the law, it allows to be able to have a red, a red card review. That was the, that was the idea is that they want to cut out the ability for dangerous play, not even like the potential for it. Um, I still think it's poor choice Mm. um, just because he was so far away and you don't even in the contact of what could have happened if there was a clash, um, it still wouldn't. It's still not enough for me because you you have the you you don't have the it's not there's no facts yeah exactly there when it comes to the actual of the actual tackle whereas the Adosi one should have been a red card uh, in my opinion yeah. with a studs up tackle hitting the ankle yes it led to it did lead to an injury but there's if it didn't lead to an injury it still should have been that way um, and then I'll quickly bring up a unique example as well from the new uh, the Newcastle and Sunderland game if you saw Luca Nine's tackle uh, was probably in the like the 60th or 70th minute uh, Luca Nine made the per well, I would say quote unquote perfect tackle where he got the ball cleared it out cleared it out of the lines kicked it out of bounds and absolutely destroyed the Newcastle player, the 17-year-old. I can't remember his name. I think it was, starts with Lewis, but it's not Lewis Hall. And completely clean-clocked him. Uh, to me, there's a value in understanding that that's dangerous as well because, you know, he got the ball and everything, but then all of a sudden it was like a total Brexit-like tackle, and it was fun to see, and he was r- rivaled up, and I understand why. But there's that level of dangerous too, even though there wasn't a studs-up play. So there's tons of ambiguity, and if you're able to create a standardized approach throughout it alongside, you know, making sure that all the decisions are made correctly, and if you have maybe that fourth official who's on the line to be able to help support and make the call, that could recognizing that it was a red card, um, to me, it's just problematic overall with consistency and you know, both calls were wrong, in my opinion. Yeah, so the only thing that, yeah, the, the consistency there is VAR, Kev, and not VAR, because the rules state yeah. that a studs-up tackle is made when a player lunges into a yeah. tackle with a leg or both legs outstretched, exposing the soles of their boots. Uh, referees are encouraged, Kev, to uh, give a caution at least. That's what he's done, but he's made contact solely on his leg, on his ankle, and he's injured the player. I, VAR would have looked at that, he would have been off, we would have been comfortable. One nil winners. At least, uh, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, it's a red card. And for full preface, I, I am pro VAR. I think that having more um, eyes on it will make the better decision. People are going to be upset because it slows the game down and it creates more, uh, you know, more. They just want to have a more proper flow. It was, it was supposed uh, to it, take out the controversy from the game and it hasn't. It's made more. 
Um, but yeah. I like you, Tim. I, I'm still pro VAR. I just don't think it's being used right. I, I think that if, if you can't, I don't think you can use it in one league and not the others, especially in, in, in a competition like the FA Cup. That needs to be everybody needs to be using the system. And yeah, I just think that it only needs to be made or used in those glaring mistakes, which is what they said they were going to do, Kev. But we, we keep on seeing these mistakes happen. But no, it's, I, I think you know it gives a, an unnecessary. Um, different kind of level. You know, you can't have it at grassroots level. No. Um, so, yeah, you shouldn't have it in the Premier League. It doesn't remove the controversy. It's still down to um, human error and the decisions are subjective. So, you know, why not just put the referees back in charge of making the decisions? And if they make mistakes that they're going to make, well, you know, you can look at that, uh, look at that afterwards. But yeah, it doesn't remove any of the controversy so, or subjectivity. It never will. What do. about just using it for lines for offsides? Because the referee can't see that. Linesman can't see. There's that. a technology for that yeah, for semi-automated offsides. They, they, like goal, like done. the goal line. Exactly, yeah. but they just need to use it properly. They, they none of this like oh, his, his left mm. finger was in an offside position, and then they made it so like any scoring part of the body that's offside is offside. It's just it's, it needs to change, and it needs to be more. It needs to be clarified more. But Yeah, you could have just a sensor in the tip of the boot or in one of the studs for every player. And um, Again, you know, that would and need to be that, filtered down to grassroots, though, wouldn't it? Yeah, I'm not being consistent. Or, <laughs> you, <know. laughs> you could be a referee, Kev. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, so it was a red card. We're all in agreement. Samadozi got hard done. We got hard done by there. Samadozi's injured. We didn't get anything for it. Uh, yellow card for Jack Stacey. That was it. Uh, but, yeah... The game in itself, though, half-time, Kev, we had 10 shots to their three. We, 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 both of us had one on target, but we had more double, more than double of touches than them. Um, so, yeah, in answer to your previous question, they were just happy to sit back and contain because uh, it was working. You know, we, we were getting frustrated. Uh, Bednarek had to be taken off at half-time because of a stomach bug. I hope it's not the same thing that Flynn Downs has. But, uh... Yeah, I hope Flynn Downs hasn't been cooking for him. <laughs> Do you want to come over and have a home-cooked meal? <laughs> no, no, I don't. Um, Shay comes yeah. in then um, and allows Stevens to go back to a centre-back, which is the only good thing that happened from that. Um, so I, I want to talk about the goal um, because it mentions my man, Kyle Walker-Peters. A um, bit of a scrappy one, but, you know, you, you sensed it, it would take something like that to break that deadlock because they were so stubborn. We were patient. We, you know, we, we hit the bar at one point, didn't we? I uh, flinned down, had one that just went wide. But the breakthrough came because of the work from Kyle Walker-Peters down the right. Um, he, he puts the ball in a dangerous spot, really, just causes problems for him. And Armstrong's at the right place to poke it home. Not his best goal of the season, but does he care? No, no, yeah, no. Good, good poachers go. I mean, you know, you need need someone who can um, make those split second decisions and um, get get a decent shot. That There's, um yeah, Shea's been prone to putting sticking them over somehow. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, no. Brilliant build-up play from Walker Peters, um, putting a, getting a cross into the box, um, and Arebo doing a job there. Uh, but uh, Tim, I want to, you know, I'll let you talk about your compatriot. Uh, Josh Sargent comes off the bench. Uh, twelve minutes. He was on the pitch for twelve minutes, and he levelled things up eight minutes after we took the lead. Uh, good movement and a bloody good finish from the lad. You know, just right, right in the corner of the goal where where no one's going to save that. But yeah. Um, I didn't. I didn't really see it coming, and I, I thought we were 
you know, I thought we'd done enough to be honest, because I wasn't really that uh, impressed with what I saw from Norwich attack and play. But that was um, that was excellent. Yeah. So there is a reason Josh Sargent started a World Cup game for the U.S. Uh, in the first one against Wales, uh, he, because he does have that clinical ability and has shown it in various times at Norwich. He can be kind of uh, hit and miss. He can definitely go cold at times, but in situations he has that chance and he has that scoring so to me i think the sub was a great play um he's coming back from a big injury that he was out for almost two months uh so he wasn't really maybe back to full fitness but knowing that being able to make it through he's top quality talent and you know he in terms of you know potential uh you know i'd give him probably top six top eight in in the in the championship this year so to me uh, great play. I think it was it was more great on him than it was bad on us. Uh, we yeah. had a very high line, and we're thinking that you know we could continue with what we were doing the entire time. That's not always the case, um, but sometimes, some way, you're going to have somebody who has that level of talent come through uh, and and be able to make it work. Uh, so, uh, yeah, against the run of play overall quality, but that's what that's the that's the nature of the game. You get one player in, make a huge difference, and uh, you're 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 taking a draw on the way home. Did you think that as soon as they scored that, that's going to be it's going to be one one? Because I mean, I, I thought it was going to be one nil when that went in. I thought ah, this this is going nowhere. It's going to be one one now. I couldn't see the the winner coming. Then I thought it was going to be two one. I what to, to us wasn't quite sure. Which, well, I wasn't quite sure which team was going to take it at this at this point. But um, just back to the goal for a second. I mean, um, can, can we start blaming people? Um, <laughs> Carl is just not aggressive enough, and Baza way off his line. Um, exposing us. Wow. Well, um, I, I mean, I, I was gonna, I, I wasn't gonna start blaming people, but and I did kind of say that. What's the point in this podcast? That's fine. You can. Yeah, I wasn't <laughs> going to, but you can. That's fine. All I was going to say was that I think the, the the team. Well, it's like I said at the start of the show that I just think they thought they had it won, and it was a little bit of complacency, I think, from all, from all rounds, and it just it cost us. I, I suppose we we didn't capitalise on our dominant possession, though, did we? And we, and we posed the question, like, can we create enough clear-cut chances, especially when we're trying to sit on this 1-0 lead? And it turns out that we don't, which is why, I mean, I, I do think that we do need that extra little bit of help and that extra bit of quality in that final third there. And no doubt, like, a, a proper attacking winger or a centre-forward there would do the job in the, in the January window. Do you have any stats on this game, Kev? Uh, yes, um, 75% possession, 800 and. 46 passes, uh, 89% accuracy, um, four shots on target out of 21 to Norwich's two shots on target out of seven, had an incredible 12 corners and Norwich only had one. Yeah, I did see that. Actually. Um, yeah. yeah. Actually, do you know 900, Yeah, 939 touches, very close to that 1,000. You're getting, getting close, yeah. We, we should have been one or two nil up at half time. Yeah. Um, Russell Martin said, I, I thought we were really good and I'm proud of the performance. We were playing against the Norwich team. We found it difficult to build momentum. They've got brilliant players for this level. We knew it'd be really t- a really tough game. I was surprised by the way they set up, uh, but it's a testament to how we have done, uh, but we should win the game. I'm frustrated we don't win. We were so dominant. Uh, that was as flat as atmosphere as I've seen here and I've played a lot of games here. So uh, yeah, I, I, I guess that's that's right, really, isn't it? 
But can, mm. I don't know. Can you still enjoy a game when it when the result is like that? Because I I did. We have kept our unbeaten streak, and if you we are comfortable with settling for a draw in the unbeaten streak to continue have it continue because it builds the foundation for us knowing that two th- you know uh two-thirds of our games are wins and a third of it are draws and we are continuing on and that is showing success so for the continuity of the streak and building off of it i am comfortable with the 1-1 draw yes me too. I am. And yeah, I was entertained. But who entertained you the most, Kevin? Who was your man of the match? Um, Adam Armstrong. Um, no, I mean, not, not just because um, he got the goal, but um, he put a shift in as he normally does, created a few memorable moments, had a shot saved at the death, could have won it. Tim? It's Adam Armstrong. Made the, made the most progressions, scored the goal. He, he's there. That's the, uh, he's not, he was, he was, the best player that stood out to me pretty easily because i'm going with kyle walker peters because i just think he looks great at right back he looks great at left back looks uh dangerous in a, in a, in a more advanced role i know i just think yeah I, I just think he's brilliant he entertains me and he put the cross in that caused the problems which allowed adam armstrong to score so kyle walker peters for me um okay yeah okay uh so uh on to on to warsaw then from uh from saturday the sixth more comfortable four nil win in the cup 58 places between the teams uh, in the league. But yeah, it didn't look like it at times because, I mean, they had their chances and actually they had more efforts and possession than we've allowed against some championship opposition this year. So, uh, yeah, I, I think they, they, were, they were quite happy, especially at halftime. Um, Ryan Fraser, Sean once more, getting the start, uh, playing 90 minutes and adding another two on his season title. Uh, Seikumara also getting important minutes, uh, scoring, starting. Shea Adams finished off the scoring, of course, and secure our spot in the fourth round um but yeah nine changes in total kev uh debut for joanna lumley 17 year old well 17 year olds uh sam amayamayor and, and jada magoma uh getting starts uh amayamayor's first starts in august a home debut for magoma holgate gets some time mara also starting so only jack stevens and uh taylor howard bell is keeping their places um, but despite all those changes, uh, we got important minutes for lots of guys. You know, we had a, a debut from the off. We had debuts off the bench. Uh, we got a comfortable 4-0 win and still had that solid midfield of Smallbone, Charles and, and Charlie Alcaraz kicking things off. So excellent management, Kevin. Good management and, and good rotation from Russell Martin again. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, I say it looks sensible that you've got that core of um, first team players in the midfield. Um, Stevenson, Hardwood, Bellis uh, at centre-back, although of course, yeah. don't really have any alternatives at the moment. <laughs> and, um, uh, yes, like I said, Smallbone, Charles Zacharias, that's that's a solid midfield. Um, yeah, Mara and Fraser um, also up front, hopefully very effective, and yeah, that proved to be the case. In, in terms of your comment about uh, we haven't really got much choice, I think even if we did have a choice, I don't think ta- uh, Taylor Hardwood-Bellis is missing any action at the moment. Um, the way that he's mm-hmm. playing, uh, but yeah, Tim, are you you happy with the with the starting lineup? Surprised by any of it? I thought it was ideal. Uh, it's the it was the mixture of what would be the the youngsters, academy players, some of our fringe players who are on the t- uh, who are in the lineup, whether it be barely starting or on the bench, and then a few of our regulars. Uh, they found uh, they could have been scared because when we look back at the, the EFL matchup when we got our we got our shit kicked in against Gilliam, uh, we learned that you don't want to have nine full uh, nine full changes, which were basically saying we were 
you know, just giving up at that time. We had enough, enough substance and enough quality uh, to keep everybody in. And we didn't, you know, didn't fuck it up. So it made a, it made it the, uh, it made the academy players and some of the fringe players look very good throughout the the entire game. Yeah, and we've said it before that you, that you can complain a lot about a lot of the things that Russell Martin's done this season, Kev. But his his management and and bringing in players, taking players out has been it's been really good. He seems to be making uh, substitutions in game with, perfectly or at least you can see mm. why he's doing so. Uh, so I think on that front, he's done an excellent job. Yeah, it's been confusing at times, but um, he's been proven right almost all the time um, with this, this unbeaten run. So um, I'm, I'm kind of happy to trust him now. Yeah. And you know, I think that the fans are fully, fully on board. Um, yeah, even when we're passing around the back, you don't hear people in the stands chatting, come on, get it fucking forward. Oh, I don't know, um, I still do. Yeah, not me. I don't. I don't say that. I'm just saying I, I still hear it. It is frustrating. It does cause dull, dull periods of the game. But um, we know that it's all building up to just yeah, tire the opponent out and um, going for the kill. It's um, drawing one-one yeah. with Norwich. When yeah. It, well, yeah, <laughs> it depends against what what position we're playing. Yeah. But uh, yeah, when it works, it works I get well. Your point. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it didn't take long uh, to open up the scoring, did it? unconventional way for us, Tim. It was uh, uh, Taylor Howard Bellis over the top and Fraser with a brilliant finish. I mean, you, you bet that Walsall... Jones Ball. Yeah, yeah. Well, you bet that Walsall had looked at that Norwich game and they saw what Norwich did and they thought, oh, we're going to try and emulate that. You know, I'm going to sit back, be solid defensively and who knows, maybe we can catch on the counter. You never know. Um, all plans right out the window when we go over the top and put one in the back of the net, Tim. Uh, yeah, well, in that case, it was literally the same goal that Chase scored against Plymouth. Uh, Harwood Bellis over the top with a deaky little, uh, uh, you know, uh, drop in, drop into the box with a little bit of a curve. Uh, Fraser made the run, whereas Ad- Adams boxed out the guy. Uh, but still, uh, he, if, if Harwood Bellis is going to be able to contribute even going forward like that, holy smokes, if we're, we get promoted, 20 million pounds is going to be, it's going to be a bargain when he ends up going to, you know, Tottenham for 65. Yeah. Kev, I was a little bit, I was a little bit concerned for, for Mara because I mean, I wanted him to start, I wanted him to get some minutes, but it, I didn't think that he was doing enough to take this opportunity that he had, you know, starting from the off against a team like Warsaw. Uh, and he missed a really good chance to double the lead as well. Magoma had a cross and he headed over. It's a lovely cross. Yeah. Very good cross. But I mean, you can't miss like your chance to shine in a fixture like this, can you? And I thought he was going to, you know, ruin his chances and that would be it for him. No, he should have had a hat-trick, really, shouldn't he? Um, a couple of chances that he squandered and um, thought that it wasn't going to be his night, which is a shame because, um, yeah, he's... Is it just that those two goals? Are they the only goals that he scored all season? Yeah, that's it. That's the second goal of the season, yeah. I thought he had a couple more, but OK. Because um, you, you can't... I don't know, I, I don't know about you, but I, I thought it was, it was coming. You know, it was just a matter of when, uh, not if. Uh, what do you mean from it was coming yeah. from Mara you mean yeah that he's 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 gonna score goals yeah I think so I think so too he just needs the chances and I thought you know if he gets the chances mm. or if he gets the chance to start against Warsaw then surely he's gonna get some goals and but it seems like he was just missing chance it looked like a lot of waste to chance not just from him but like everyone seemed to be be hitting high hitting over I don't know how many shots um, Will Smallbone had it must have been you know between five and ten because he just seemed to be having so many attempts and all of them over. And, and it was just, 
Yeah, it was getting quite frustrating, and I was getting quite worried, if I'm being honest. I thought, Walsall didn't really threaten us, but you, you can guarantee at half time that they were they were really, really up for it. And they thought, you know, you could see the manager was just probably going to be... The manager's called Sadler, and they're called the Saddlers, by the way. That's, that's yeah. weird. It's an example of nominative determinism. Yeah, wasn't that that Wolfgang... Wolfgang Wolf, who managed Wolfsburg. <laughs> he was linked with Wolf, the Wolves job as well. <laughs> yeah, it's a true story. But yeah, uh, I just thought we were wasting it, and I thought they they would be quite happy at halftime, and you know they still had their chances. And Tim Mason Holgate did no favours for his cause when he gave the ball away, a little under hit a pass there, and they pounced on it and, and missed their chance. That was a great chance to level the game as well. Perfect. You're not going to get many of them. Not like that. Uh, they just weren't clinical enough. I mean, that's League Two side, so uh, they're not going to finish like that. And uh, there's also a Jack Stevens one, too, where he basically passed it directly to them, and they didn't take advantage of it. Saika Marikev. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Like, um, yeah, strong turn and, uh, and, and finish there. Um, Fraser with the cross. Yeah, another one. Another assist for him. Yeah, providing and scoring. Um, and yeah, Alcaraz again in the build up just from that, that pace making the difference, you know. But yeah, um, and then uh, Ryan Fraser uh, got his second and, and Saints third after the 68th minute, uh, sixth goal of the season for him, curled it into the bottom right corner. He, he's some finisher, isn't he? He can, he seems to be doing everything right, he seems to do everything at such a high level, and his finishing has just been excellent. Um, so that, he's such an exciting player isn't... Like whenever I see him. Yeah, I mean, you said it when we signed him after a first couple of appearances that he's fast becoming my favourite. And, you know, he's only got mm. better and better since then. I mean, you saw him on Boxing Day, scored two against Swansea, scored two against uh, Warsaw here. But the finishing has just been fantastic. Again, he put that right in the bottom corner. But, uh, yeah, good pressing, pressing from Saints. They uh, caused a mistake when they were on the ball. Uh, won the ball up high and then, yeah, just... Top-notch finishing from Ryan Fraser. Yeah, yeah, beautiful, right the way across. Um, um yeah, I think you know against um, stronger opposition that that wouldn't have gone in, but uh, yeah. Well, I don't know. Yeah, they wouldn't have won the ball back quite as easily, maybe, but yeah. Um, <laughs> and then uh, Che Adams finished off the scoring on the 78th minute. Goals in 10-minute intervals. There, did you notice that? 58, 68, 70. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 58, 68, 70. Weird. Mm. Uh, yeah, rounds off the scoring. Um, just kept on going at them, which is good because um, yeah. That, that could have just sat back and I mean I would have been happy with the three now because I predicted that but uh, I was <laughs> I think that's the only time that I've been like boo when we've scored because I wanted to get those uh, those match <laughs> points for the three now I think you had three and he was like okay so uh, but yeah Alcaraz to Adams and he almost messes messes it up gathering it and he regains his composure still has the time to get that ball in there and slide it away so yeah a bit dodgy defending on their part but still Che Adams still yeah it gets it Gets it through three defenders. Um, I'm not entirely sure how it happens, and and the keeper, yeah. and and on his left foot as well. As you know, the odds were definitely stacked against him on that goal. Tim, we had, uh, Tyler Dibbin uh, made his first appearance at St Mary's. Um, his first game was against Gillingham in the uh, EFL Cup. Yeah, a full debut for Cameron Bragg coming on for Sam Amoyor on the 84th minute. And not much to go on, uh, Tim, but what did you make of the cameos from Dibbling and Bragg? I think Dibbling had a shot, didn't he? I think he had the side name at one point, so I thought he looked quite... It just went wide, yeah. I thought he looked quite comfortable. But yeah, not not a lot to go on, Tim, but encouraged by what you saw? Yeah, they should have came on a little bit earlier. Uh, I think probably around the 75th minute. If you get 15 minutes in the game, you can kind of make a difference, I know. Sure, we were 3-0 up really... by then as well, weren't we? The game was over. Yeah, if you bring him on in the 85th, it's just literally a cameo. You're sticking a body out there, and there's no 
what I would call traditional uh, progression. You're not going out there and looking to score. There's more of a mentality to not let the other team score and control possession. And you can even feel that the other team kind of gave up at that point. So the last thing you want to do is don't give them real time gameplay. If you're, yeah, you get an appearance and that might make them feel good, but run them out there to run them out there and get that experience. Yeah. Um, and Kev, your thoughts on uh, Joanna Lumley? Absolutely fabulous, man. <laughs> yeah, no, I thought he was good. I thought it was quite memorable, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah, and got a couple of saves off. Yeah, and seemed seemed fairly comfortable. Um, I thought it was a bit of a strange choice. I'm wondering, you know, if you've got Maka, um, why have him on the bench? Maka uh, hasn't been on the bench lately, has he? Lumley's been on the mm. bench, and I, I thought that maybe he was injured. There's been nothing. No one is mentioning Alex McCarthy. Um, for whatever reason, I don't know. Um, yeah, really, really bad decision to um, sign a new contract with him. Yeah, it was a really bad, real did. bad decision to let Fraser Forster go as well, wasn't it? Made made the wrong choice. Uh, Forster's wages were unsustainable, but True. you know, if you're getting in a replacement, then you know, why keep your number one? Keep it. It doesn't make sense to me. Mm. No, that's true. Um, do you have any stats on this game? Yeah, I've got some stats. Um, we had um, a mere sixty-six percent possession. That's quite a lot uh, for um, for Warsaw, isn't it? Thirty-four percent. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, so, so a surprising amount of the ball. Mm. Um, they pulled off uh, two shots on target. Um, six six shots in total. We had uh, seven shots on target. Nineteen shots in total. Um, I, bet, I bet bloody 14 of those were small bone. Um, five were small bone. Five, OK. Um, only one of his was on target. Though. See, I was probably getting confused with the colour with the colour clash that I thought, you know, their shots were our shots. Yeah, I mean, there, there weren't that many to count, to be <laughs> fair. Um, yeah, Ryan Fraser, he had four shots, three on target. Um, two went in, obviously. Um, yeah, Mara, four shots, one on target. One went in. On to the fourth round then. And importantly, uh, as I said, Adam Armstrong got a week off, as did Flynn Downs, Stuart Armstrong, Bednarik. Um, hopefully he had time to recover from his illness. So he would have hoped not to use all of them. And uh, it was a perfect scenario, really, wasn't it? Progression at no cost to, to injury. And, and our main guys get a week off. So And we're into the fourth round. So brilliant. Um, man of the match, anyone want to go? Pretty easy one, I imagine. Yeah. I mean, not only two goals, but also an assist, five crosses um, and just an incredible performance. I'm a bit disappointed he didn't get a hat-trick. I think that's why he played the whole 90 minutes. Cause he tried at the end, didn't he? He had a couple, he had of, shots. He had a couple of shots at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It just did, didn't quite manage it. But yeah, obviously it has to be Ryan Fraser. Yeah, it's not just the man of the match. It's the wee man of the match. Wee <laughs> man. <laughs> As I say, two goals, one assist, four shots, three on target, most crosses. Yeah, easy. Uh, Russell Martin says, I was a bit frustrated at halftime. We started so well, but took our foot off the gas a little bit. Uh, we had a big scare early on in the second half, and it was almost like a wake-up call for the players. I told the players mm. that Warsaw would feel very, uh, feel like they had a chance. Uh, there was a lot of growth to be had and improvement that we can make with so many of these players. Charlie Alcarez uh, was a different player in the second half. Seiku Mara was mm, good all round. And I really liked Will Smallbone's performance. Shea Charles looked a completely different player after the break also. So, yeah. Um, yeah, got, got a spot on. Pretty, yeah, uh, um, Alcaraz, well, yeah, he, he, had a, he had a great game. Um, he's been a bit hit and miss lately, hasn't he? And um, has found himself outside of the starting lineup. 
Um, I think at this point I prefer Stuart Armstrong over him. Yeah, yeah. And then and we know that Stu isn't going to um, play 90 minutes anyway, so Alcaraz is going to get his game time. Absolutely, yeah. It's never a problem to have either of them in, though. But yeah. No, um, and he seems happy to play that role. Yeah, he does, yeah. Um, because he knows he's going to be going for big money in, in the uh, in the, in the summer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, yeah, so that was it. Uh, back to priority of the championship then, as uh, we refocus on closing that gap to the top two. Uh, Leicester have a tricky trip to Coventry. Yeah, we also get to have a look at Ipswich because they host Sunderland uh, on the late game on Sky Sports as well. So that's um that's one I'm going to be watching. Um, and we host, obviously, Sheffield Wednesday uh, in search for 19 unbeaten and trying to make it eight wins in a row at home. Can we make this happen against Sheffield Wednesday, Tim, who they're playing quite well at the moment, actually. They beat Preston at Deepdale and Hull. And they just ripped Cardiff apart, 4-0 on the cup. So, wow. I mean, they're, they're, they're into the fourth round. The question is, Tim, has Ryan Fraser done enough for a start without, you know, Suleimana and Adozi now? The fun part of... Uh, these uh, these recaps, uh, well, these uh, these introductions and talking about the team it is the recap itself. Uh, and the reason is, is because we are into the second half of the season. So where have Sheffield Wednesday been? And since we played them first game of the season, uh, they've gone through a lot. <laughs> it's, a, yeah. it's definitely a way to say they've been qu- quite a, one of the uh, the entertaining teams to follow in the championship so far. So uh, at the beginning of the season last year, we did sneak in uh, that uh, that 2-1 win with the Che Adams score in the 87th minute. And unfortunately, and uh, tears shed when writing this, is that that was Ward Prowse's last game mm, uh, for us. It was, yeah. And, uh, so very unfortunate. And while he did make an assist as well for that 87th, it was it was a nice parting gift uh, as he went on to that damn place in East London that Claret and Blue. Oh, yeah, uh, <laughs> yes. So, what has happened since? Well, Chinizri is their owner, and he's an absolute cuckoo head. Uh, he's made a fool of himself many times over uh, throughout the time, and then. That started with that started with, it began really this season with Zisco's hiring and saying that fans need to pay more and they need to you know fork up more money for it. I don't want to invest any more money into it and then quickly double backed on himself and said that was a dumb idea. But he didn't he doubled down on saying that was a it was their choice. But he didn't uh, he just ended up supporting them and throwing money back in. But midway through the season. Uh, October 13th, they appointed a new manager, Danny Roll, after Zisco left them in 24th, all the way at the bottom of the table. And since then, Danny Roll, we're kind of familiar with him. Uh, only six months at Southampton under uh, Ralph, but is familiar with the team. And we always thought and kind of even came up in like a, you know, in those like, could he potentially be our manager type of situations when we were looking for it? And I think he could have because look what he's done so far. Since October 13th, when he's come on, six uh, six wins, one draw, eight losses. Uh, he's sitting in the in the form table from October 13th. They're 13th in the league in form. That that is so, that is playing above and beyond what they are capable of. Although I know they're sitting is, in the relegation zone right now, but yeah, that is um. If you want a manager that's going to get the best out of you, that is that is it. That they're doing is everything they possibly can. He is punching above their weight, mm. and 
this saying that comes in and writes the ship to get him to above the level what they're at. I mean, I thought if they had any sort of shot, it would basically be coming down to the last day and right around the 20th or 21st, uh, you know, uh, 20th or 21st spot and they stick it in and, uh, you know, stick like just the last couple games uh, that they survive. But if the form table continues to the 13th, let's say they regress even to the 16th or 17th uh, uh, for the entire of the season from October 13th onward, that's going to likely keep them up. Uh, because right now they're sitting in tw- they're sitting 22nd, but not very far off the they're only a couple points off the uh, the 21st right now with uh, with Huddersfield. So something to look at, something to continue, and uh, ho- Birmingham's not going to make that skid uh, now that they got rid of Rooney. <laughs> they just uh, bit, they bit you know they bit the bullet and did that. Danny Roll has been fantastic, and they're on the up and up. You just yeah, I've got in my notes too. They played Cardiff at home for the FA Cup. They just smashed them. Now Cardiff basically, Cardiff basically put out a rotation team, and they just didn't. I think they opted to not care about it. Their focus is probably on on the league, and that they might have a chance for the playoffs. I think they're going to be sitting mid table the rest of the season. But working backwards from the last five, uh, they beat Hull three one, they beat Preston one zero, they lost to Coventry two zero, and they lost to Cardiff two one. Uh, coincidentally, in their fifth to mo- most recent game. Uh, so challenges for us, where are we looking at in our injury situation? You know, are we uh, who are we going to start? Uh, I think Ryan Fraser is going to get that start. Uh, Adozi being out, Sulemana out. Uh, it just makes sense to start him up there. Uh, I would rather play and keep the same type of formation rather than go, say, two up top with Adam Armstrong and Shea. Um, or you might even throw Shea, Adam Armstrong, and Ryan Fraser th- in, the, in the front three. A little bit. I think Shea's going to start. I think he's going to give mm-hmm. him a start. I think he will. Yeah. I think he'll, I think, yeah, I think he'll start I think, Fraser and Shea, and they'll have um, Armstrong. I think they'll have the front three, Fraser, Armstrong, Shea. Yeah, as of right now, those are our best attacking three. So something to consider uh, and really, really cool. And lots of options to consider. Well, I don't think we'll have anybody signed in uh, for, during this game or from ahead of this game. It'll probably be rated right towards the end of the, the January window. Um, but to me, uh, lots of opportunity and I think a decent chance to keep our unbeaten streak going. On to predictions then. I'm, I'm up first. I think it's going to be a big, heavy win. I mean, I've, I mean, Kev, you've witnessed the last two. Uh, Blackburn's one to four nil five nil. I think it's going to be on that similar yeah. thing again. I am tempted to go for four nil. I really am. I really feel like Wednesday are going to be on the, the end of a hammering, but I'll tone it down just a little bit. And I think Saints are going to win this game three nil. Yeah, I think it has to be a win, doesn't it? Um, I'm going to say three one. No, no clean sheet again. Mm. Tim, uh, this one's going to be tough. I actually don't think. I think it's not going to look super pretty. I don't think we're going to, you know, be able to just say, yeah, we're going to go and smack them. It's going to be good. I think we are going to squeak something out, though. Uh, and as a, with a squeak something out, 2-1. Little and, fart of a win. Little yeah. fart. Yeah. <laughs> hey, a win's a, an ugly win is still a win. And you, this one will be forgettable uh, as you go forward. And or let's hope it's for hope of forget. I don't mind a forgettable win because as long as it's a win. Discord, uh, three people getting that Norwich game spot on. It was you, Tim, uh, Kurt Supple, and Greg Kaplan. Um, and then onto the Warsaw game. Tim, four 0 You got it right, along with Kindly Platypus and Dan Fox. But a perfect week for you. Getting two results spot on in one week is uh, is 
pretty damn special. And I'm only halfway through the table right now. I'm like midway through. That's how, that's how shit my predictions have been the rest of the season. Kev, he's, um, he's actually jumped to you now on the table. So uh... Not surprising. I've been shocking. Okay, yeah, so Super 6. Uh, round 28 was won by Andrew Knight and Lee Davey with 11. Round 29 is ongoing. Uh, there's still uh, FA Cup games playing today. Uh, the overall leader is still Andrew Knight on 246. Um, fantasy football, guys, it hasn't happened this week because of the FA Cup, but Gaffer, I believe, from uh, from Monday. How has that gone, Tim? Oh, it's been absolutely fantastic. So oh, I don't like remember this. To, <laughs> remember to use your power-ups, guys. And the reason being is uh, I pulled up what's called Jeepers Keepers, and basically they double the points for, uh, for the goalkeepers, uh, and they get little extra ones based on saves, and then if they got a penalty save as well, uh, clean sheets also increase their amount they takes away the regular captain's bonus during that week as well um, but absolutely have smashed it uh, with 129 points in the game week which was what good which is good enough to put me back up top uh, in the the league itself uh, 1891 sweet baby Shea Tim Brucker back down to second with but with 93 uh, Moscow mush sitting at 85 points on the week decent uh, shout Ray coming in fourth right now with 89 and then fifth is Connor shout out to Connor uh, 90 uh, on the points so lots of points overall all around that was uh, that was a good shout so lots of fun there and uh, back up top so yeah that's it uh, next week uh, we shall be t- talking about Sheffield Wednesday uh, and Tim will be previewing our trip to Swansea City uh, for Russell Martin's long-awaited return. So uh, until then, up the Saints. Up the fucking Saints. Up the Saints. Up the Saints. Up oh, Southampton. Podcast Network.